Yeah, let's have a bachelor party with chicks and guns and fire trucks and hookers and drugs and booze. Yeah, yeah. Ah! Sports are canceled. <laughs> Life's been canceled, Justin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinated with Films. A What's remote a remote episode. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be weird. It is gonna be a little weird. So Dave's not here right now, so technically it is officially a uh Dave's not here man episode. Jeez. <laughs> this guy's racking up his own uh seven part series. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you, man. Well, so we're remote. I'm uh, probably, what, uh, 20 miles from Justin. Justin's on the other side of town. We're both following orders and sticking to the quarantine. Yeah. So so shit's crazy out there right now, man. How's your experience with it out there uh, on your lonesome? It's pretty lonely out there, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, No, I mean, I've just been, like, rearranging my apartment and just sitting outside and, like, enjoying the fresh air because nobody lives around me you know what i mean so it's fine for me to go sit on my back porch yeah um but yeah i mean i literally have just been like sitting on the back porch for a few days now just watching the wind blow you know but uh luckily i was gonna say luckily you know i was able to get to the store and get pretty well stocked up so that i don't have to go and try and you know get in there with everybody else right now so yeah it's pretty it's pretty crazy i had to i stocked up pretty well but there's always stuff you need to get and i went back to the store and at that point i don't know how it is in all these other places people are listening from but in florida like the grocery store they're letting one person in per thousand feet square feet of the store so it's like 38 people can go in the store so i stood in line for like 20 minutes or something like that until they let me in and it was crazy but i mean you gotta do what you gotta do you know, especially since we're not even close to like the peak area yet. So, oh, I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Luckily for financial, financially, I'm my job is secure for now. <laughs> Obviously, uh, yeah. I'm one of the exemptions. So because I deliver papers in the morning, I'm still allowed to go out there. I haven't had been stopped by cops, but I have been given a letter to give to cops in case they do stop me. So, <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah. And my other job is, uh, did I tell you, my other job is actually paying me every week, even though I'm not going. Oh, that's awesome. It's crazy. I, I was like, man, that's a good company right there. They said, we don't want anyone to experience financial h- hardship. He says, whatever your average paycheck was for the last like four weeks, we're going to average that out and we're going to give it to you every week. I'm like, what that's the awesome. hell, man? That's crazy. So hell yeah. a lot of these companies are definitely pulling it uh, forward here and everything, so... Yeah, and I know Dave's out there at the farm doing his thing. So yeah, I I lent him a PlayStation Two yesterday, so that may distract <laughs> him a, distract him a little bit. But uh, but yeah, today we're gonna do uh, it'll be a, a just a slightly shortened episode uh, because we're only gonna do ten movies instead of the normal fifteen. But we're gonna do uh, Tom Hanks, and yes, we're, yeah, we're gonna split him into like three parts. So the first ten movies of uh, Tom Hanks. So before we start off, it's just some weird coincidence that Tom Hanks obviously is one of the uh, few celebrities that has been come down with the coronavirus, you know? Yeah. How weird is that? Of all no, it's celebrities. Really weird. It's so yeah. strange. I mean, him and Idris probably are the two most famous people that have come down with it. And luckily they're 
I hate to say it, but luckily they're rich enough, to, so they're not going to die. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, they can get they can get the testing and everything like that, and I think that's probably the biggest problem right now is the testing because there could be yeah. there could be so many people, hundreds of thousands of people out there with it, but they're walking around and not showing symptoms yet. Asymptomatic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people in Florida are acting like a bunch of dumbasses. Yeah, pretty much. You know. Even that kid, remember uh, last week there was that kid that they found on the beach, you know, like, oh, I'm still going to spring break and everything like that. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. He has, since, he has since returned home from spring break and had to, like, put out a statement, you know, about his previous statement apologizing that he didn't take this thing so seriously. And it's like, oh, you want to switch your tune now that spring break's over and you got your time in Miami? Like That and his, you know. his parents probably berated him. <laughs> You get oh, I'm sure. you get on that internet and you apologize yeah. right now, you dumb right? fuck. <laughs> For real. Man, you don't want that video of those people coming out. That's immediately what I thought of when that video came out. And I was like, oh my God, their parents and their parents' friends are seeing that. And they were like, isn't that Johnny from down the street? <laughs> right. Uh, that's what people are. And I, I hear a lot of millennials are getting angry because people are like, you damn millennials. And like, millennials aren't doing this. But millennials are too old. This is like Generation Z that's doing this shit. Yeah. <laughs> Not and, it's, me. and it's not Floridians too. That's the the thing. I mean, Floridians know enough to uh, Floridians don't go to spring break. I mean, unless yeah. you're unless you're 17 and 18 and want to join in on the party and everything, which we did back in the day. But for the most part, these are people from Michigan who are just down yeah. here. And hopefully, I mean, I assume they're driving down here and they're not flying because I mean, yeah. have they not? They've not canceled completely f- flights, right? I think if you've got the balls, you could still do it. Yeah, I think pretty much. I know last week I heard that like um, might have been American cut their flights in half. Yeah. Um, you know, so I know it's getting cut down. Yeah, I canceled mine, and me and my wife were already kind of wanting to schedule our anniversary trip for October. But I'm like, is October even going to be all right? He says, I don't have yeah. no idea. And I said, I'm just going to hold off and play it by ear and see what happens. I know. Uh, I got a hold of Delta, uh, and they had half of the leg of my flight, and they've already said, uh, we've credited your account. Anytime you want to go anywhere in the next year, just kind of use this code, and it would be credited. Oh, that's cool. So I was like, that's cool. Yeah, it's really interesting what companies have come out that are, like, really decent. It, and I, I saw a, like, meme the other day which said it all. You know, when it, when you're in a crisis like this, if you're a jerk, it highlights you being even more of a jerk. And if you're kind of a really nice person, it highlights you being a really nice person, how you kind of yeah. react. For sure. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you uh, how many times have you even uh, left your house? Um, Maybe, like, three, like, just to go to the store. Yeah. Or, you know, yesterday I went and sat in that line for four and a half hours waiting on, uh, you know, some food giveaway cause I needed it. Yeah, that's right. They, I forgot you went to a, uh, like, uh, wh- where was it in town? It was on the Northeast or was, uh, over by you? Yeah, no, it was over at the, uh, MLK center next to citizens field. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. great that they're having that. And it seems like they, a lot of people are doing that with the food pantries and stuff like that. So, yeah. And I don't know how it is in every other town. The only thing, because I, I went to Publix the other day that really seems like the only thing that's really in short supply is toilet paper, Kleenex, paper towels, and like rubbing alcohol. Those are like the four things. I mean, right. granted, the pasta aisle looked very grim. I mean, there was like, yeah, it was like a whole row of lasagna noodles, and then that's it. I mean, all the yeah, you know, like one box of elbows and all the lasagna and everything else is gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, but uh, 
I mean, they got to keep replenishing stuff. But luckily, we got we got in a, a jump on it uh, early on. If I hadn't got like toilet paper from that Hitchcock's uh, there in Newberry, I'd be screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. So it's crazy. But yeah, going back to some Tom Hanks here. Uh, let's talk some Tom Hanks. So what would you in? So we're doing his first ten movies, but regardless of that, what would your favorite Tom Hanks movie be? I mean, honestly, I think my favorite one, just because it was so great when I was a kid, it has to be big. Oh, uh, well, that's lucky. We're talking about that one today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite one is probably, uh, I go back and forth. There's so many that are just such a big films to me. Uh, I think when I was a kid, it was Money Pit. And then when I was like a teenager, it was more of The Burbs. And now as an adult, I think Dragnet is one of my favorites because I get to, oh, yeah. I get to see Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd kind of be the king of their craft together. So, yep. Yeah. Lucky for us, we're talking about all those today. So I say we start right. from the be- I say we start from the beginning. Now, right. he had a crazy. Did you ever watch the Bosom Buddies TV show? I, you know, I think I saw it like once or twice. I remember that, you know, show, but I was, I don't remember being like old enough to be into that show. Yeah, Pr- probably a show that couldn't exist today. <laughs> I would oh, think. yeah. Because, I mean, the premise was that him and Peter Scolari, his best friend, were uh, trying to find a place to live while they were going to work and going to school. And there was no place. So they decided to uh, dress like women and stay at this women's only kind of apartment complex. And that was kind of the whole thing about it. They were wearing wigs and makeup and everything. Whenever they came home and they were around management, they had to dress like women. And then when they, and the, the girls who lived there knew about it and everything. And one of them was that Wendy Joe, uh, she played the sister in Back to the Future. She was one of the uh, girls. And then the other girl was uh, Donna Dixon, who ended up marrying uh, Dan Aykroyd. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so they starred in that together. So it was, it was a fun show. I always loved it. And just recently, we had seen Tom Hanks, and he had done a lot of like um, cameos in old sitcoms. We saw him play like the uncle who was an alcoholic on Family Ties. Oh, wow. It was really fun. And he showed a lot of emotional range and everything. And I was like, damn, man. I said, he always seemed like he was like uh, around and just doing the circuit of acting stuff that every other actor did. But it almost seemed like 84 was his big year. I mean, he had two major films come out in 84. And it almost, I mean, he took off like almost immediately. That first one was Splash. I mean, 1984 oh, yes. Splash. Yeah. Uh, were you was it Daryl Hannah too? Yep, Daryl Hannah and John yeah. Candy. John Candy and Eugene Levy. I mean, oh wow, huge, huge cast. Were you always a Splash fan, or was that something you figured out later in life? Um, I mean, I was a fan of it. I've probably only ever seen it like five times, yeah. but like, I, I always thought it was a good movie enough to watch it five times. Yeah, you know, obviously. Um, it's just I think nowadays it kind of gets thrown under the radar. But when I went to go see uh, The Shape of Water. Yeah. The whole time that I was sitting there, like we were talking back and forth, just being like this, you know, like this is the same movie as Splash. Like (laughs) you just reverse the roles and it's the same movie as Splash. You know, (laughs) that's funny. I've still never seen Shape of Water, which is very strange because I'm a huge Galermo fan. It just I haven't seen it come across like on uh, on streaming, streaming or sale yet. So once I do, I'll man, I've been buying some movies online i feel bad because uh i love uh buying and selling on ebay and i i don't want to sell on ebay right now because i don't want to have to go to the uh i don't want to have to go to the post office 
Right. You know, but in the same realm, I'm like ordering movies at a fury and I'm thinking of these people like having to go to the, uh, having to go to the post office to mail them to me. I'm feeling bad, but <laughs> not as bad as not owning Rapid Fire or yeah. <laughs> or these other movies I just recently bought. I found The Mangler online for $3, and I was like, oh, my God, The Mangler. <laughs> so I'm super excited on that. I don't that. think I ever saw that. One. That was the good. That was based on like a, uh, a kind of a really small Stephen King story, and it starred like Robert England in it and everything. It was like one of those weird, random 90s horror movies that just popped in there. So. So, yeah, I've definitely been uh, purchasing. But Splash was always a huge thing. My dad, uh, both me and Dave's dad, were always a huge Tom Hanks fan. So we knew it was going to be played a lot in our house. And uh, and, and it was so funny. So those who don't know what's going on with Splash, and you couldn't have figured it out from the shape of water kind of thing, is you're dealing with uh, Tom Hanks uh, comes in contact with Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah is a mermaid. She, like walks out of the ocean and really we should mention how great of a kind of script concept the idea was that when daryl hannah was in the water she had her kind of fins and then the second she left the water they like went away and she had legs right i always thought that was absolutely ingenious as a kid watching it yeah absolutely and then like you know when she gets into the bathtub oh yeah when she got in the bathtub yeah i totally forgot about that where he's like banging on the door trying to get in and She's just trying to like give herself water and everything, and then she'll slip out of the tub. And yeah, it's so much fun, man. I I love the Eugene Levy kind of part too, where Le- Eugene Levy was this kind of uh, anal scientist who was trying to uh, figure out the uh, that the mermaids existed and everything. So he was constantly like he was kind of the dick. He was just constantly hunting down Tom Hanks and trying to catch Daryl Hannah there uh, as a mermaid and everything. Do you remember how this movie started? I don't. It started when they were like little kids and Tom Hanks got thrown over the boat. Uh, remember uh, John Candy as a little kid was throwing coins in the ground and then looking under uh, women's skirts on this like boat excursion. Oh, they yeah. Were on. And then Tom Hanks as a little like 12 year old got thrown off the boat and he got saved by the by a mermaid. He looked at the mermaid and saw him and everything. So when he actually later in the movie where they jump forward and he was on the beach and he went out and he was drunk on the beach and he ended up getting saved again by the same mermaid and everything. So I thought right. that was a really interesting connection that they had together. Yeah, this was also a great early one for John Candy, too. I still remember there's a great scene where he's, uh, uh, Tom Hanks, his job is like a greengrocer. I mean, he he works at the docks where he's uh, people are bringing in cherries and blueberries and lettuce to him and everything, and he just sends it off to all the different stores and everything. But there's a really uh, great scene where... Uh, John Candy pulls up in like his Corvette and smashes into one of the boxes and comes out screaming with a stack of magazines in his hand. And he said, they printed my letter in Playboy Girl magazine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so funny, man. Are funny. any particular scenes from Splash that uh, kind of stick stick out to you? Um, I, I think the one that kind of does would be when they actually capture her and like have her in the tank. And it's kind of like really sad. You yeah, know what I mean? It's kind of like that E.T. thing, you know? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, like something we don't understand, let's capture it and hold it in captivity forever yeah. and then cut it up. Like I really know. love the scene. But yeah, it- uh, sorry, I really love the scene where uh he goes to work the next morning when she initially gets there and he goes to work and then she goes out in 
into like New York City and just walks around. And then she ends up going uh, and finds that one like store that had all the television and she gets sucked in and she's watching like Crazy Eddie uh, commercials and she's uh, working out uh, at like Jane Fonda workouts and everything. And then Tom Hanks has to go and find her. And then when they're walking home, she kind of picks her name from that Madison Avenue kind of thing. So they end up calling her Madison. And Oh, that's right. Really, really clever uh, movie there, man. I, I really liked it. It definitely kind of, uh, it was a good start. And we should mention it was a Ron Howard movie. So it was one of Ron Howard's first like really big ones. Oh wow! I didn't realize that. Yeah, Ron Howard started with like uh, with Corman doing small little Corman films, and then he kind of hit it big with Night Shift, that uh, Michael Keaton Henry Winkler movie when they're like uh, they're pimps at the morgue. <laughs> right. And then I yeah. think right after that was Splash, and right after that, I mean, he just could do whatever he wanted. Man, I thought it was great. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's definitely able to write his own ticket from there. Yeah. So this next movie, and this was an. Uh, this was a great movie and that it's been parried so many times, especially recently is uh, the same year, 1984 is bachelor, uh, bachelor party. Now, do you remember bachelor party? Now I, I remember the box cover. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen this movie. Oh, good. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Well, what's great about it is it's literally the hangover. You know, the movie The Hangover or Bridesmaids. Right. They were totally like, I, I hate to say ripoffs because that's kind of a bad word. And obviously so many people can do that kind of uh, Bachelor Party-esque movie and everything. But yeah, it was a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was great, man. It was about uh, Tom Hanks was getting married to that 80s kind of um, female heartthrob that uh, Tawny Catan uh, if you looked her up, you would be able to recognize her immediately. She was on all posters and everything, and I think she was in a lot of kind of heavy metal music videos. Uh, but it was all about him and his buddies, and his he had some, like, really... I, I don't think any of his friends were even remotely famous, too. I know the uh, on the female side of it, his wife's friends, Wendy Joe, who was uh, that sister from... Uh, Back to the Future and from Bosom Buddies, she was one of the friends in there and everything. But the guys were like really interesting looking dudes, but none of them were super famous. But they, I remember the scene where he tells them, hey, I'm getting married and everything. And then they decide, hey, let's throw this killer bachelor party. And there was just some really key scenes that were really funny that stick with me. Uh, particularly, I remember the there's a boyfriend that of Tony Catan that didn't like the fact that Tom Hanks was getting married to her. So he's constantly trying to like screw up the marriage and everything. And it was a great scene where one of their friends who was basically, I guess the Zach Galifianakis type character uh-huh. from hangover. And he goes down to like the shady part of town and meets this pimp and, uh, orders a whole bunch of prostitutes to come visit the hotel that night that they're going to have the party at. And then once he leaves, that guy that's trying to screw over Tom Hanks comes in and says, Oh, uh, did my friend just come here and order a couple hookers? And he was like, yeah, he says, Oh, that, uh, the party's been changed. It's going to be at this address. And he actually sent them to the bride's house where the bride, oh, was, yeah. <laughs> the bride was having her bachelorette party. And so there's a great scene where, and they're all like very rich kind of, uh, people. So they're having this great party at the bachelorette party where everyone's giving out lingerie and it's just, everyone's having like finger foods and everything. And all of a sudden two uh, 
two female prostitutes come in and they look over the room and they were like, oh, these must be lesbians. So they immediately strip down into like this dominatrix wear and everyone at the same time notices them. <laughs> and then it just, oh, wow. and then it cuts to Tom Hanks being in that like empty room with his friends being like, where are the women? Where are the women? And then, yeah. So they have to go and find different uh, prostitutes until the party, like halfway through the movie, the party like takes off and it's like a rager and they start doing some crazy stuff. One of the most famous scenes from this movie is where they bring the don- they bring a donkey up to like the eighth floor and they <laughs> oh, actually God. they actually stick a fake donkey head on over the donkey so if anyone saw him they would be like oh that's just a guy in like a donkey suit it's not a real donkey right. so once yeah. they got him in and they pulled off the donkey and they uh they have this woman dancing with a donkey and you're like oh shit what the hell is gonna go on well, yeah well, well luckily before the full-on donkey show went on uh, someone the the bride's father came in and broke the whole thing up and so when they were arguing with him they had like this huge area where people just had cocaine and quaaludes and like all these different pills just like all over the table. So anyone wanted to come in there and just do whatever the hell drugs they wanted, they could do it. And uh, you got the the donkey kind of sided up to the table and starts taking all the fucking drugs. And oh, they, shit. They literally start snorting lines that they used like a fake donkey <laughs> head. <laughs> they used a fake donkey head and he went up one uh, nostril with one and down the other nostril with the other. <laughs> <laughs> and the donkey started like flipping out and then just died right there on the floor. So now they have to deal with this dead donkey that's in the, uh, <laughs> in the hotel. Oh, and God, it was so much fun, man. It was one of those kind of was one of the first kind of raunchy R-rated movies I saw because it had plenty of nudity in it and just kind of like uh, stuff that you weren't supposed to watch in like ni- 1984 for sure. But right. it's popular. I think it's one of those uh, movies that a lot of people forget about because they don't play it on TV at all. Like you said, that I mean, it hasn't really given you an opportunity to see it all because it hasn't been played. Yeah, no, I, I can't remember ever seeing it as an option like on TV. Yeah, like you said, I remember the, uh, the, the cover was great. It was just like... Uh, Tom Hanks surrounded by like six guys and then you have like a woman's legs like that they're staring at or something like that on the front cover. It was always right. a really good one when yeah. you went to the video store. And that that's where a lot of my kind of love for Tom Hanks came from too is just going through the video store and seeing all those VHS covers of all the movies he was in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He was in so many back at that time. I miss the video stores, man. I mean, my house yeah. is kind of a video store now, but... Yeah. <laughs> were you a big video store guy when you were a kid? Um, I mean, I was, um, but similar to you, my brother had like, I think it was somewhere around like 800 to a thousand, um, excuse me, VHS tapes, um, back in the day. Did he, and, did he buy them or did he like tape them off TV to like blank ones? Um, so he bought them, but then he also worked at Blockbuster and was able to get like, you oh, know, nice. certain ones or whatever. And so he could dub them over. Um, but yeah, he used to like rent out movies to people in his neighborhood for like a quarter a piece, you know? <laughs> so awesome. he just, he'd, yeah, he'd just make, you know, five, 10 extra bucks, you know, a week, something like that, just from people renting out movies from him. A little industrialist back then. <laughs> I know, right? I remember it almost, it blew my mind as a kid when it was brought to my attention that they had these like six hour blank VHS tapes and I could tape them off cable. It literally I know, blew my right? mind. And I think I was the only one, and we had like a house of my mom, dad, and three boys there at the house, and I was the only one who taped stuff. And I was just put, I was like put in charge of that. And I remember my, I think my first VHS tape I had 
Karate Kid Empire Strikes Back and Back to the Future on it. And we just watched that particular tape over and over again. And oh, yeah. kids nowadays don't realize that uh, not only could you do that, but you know, you, uh, you would like uh, break that tab off the top so no one could tape over it again. Right. Which you could. I think you ha- all you'd have to do is put tape back over it again or something. Or was it the opposite, that you put tape on it to tape over or you took tape off? I can't remember. Ooh, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was that you uh, that if you wanted to not tape over it again, you had to break it. But then if you put tape over it, you could do it again. It was weird. <laughs> we had so many of those like accidental things where I'm watching Back to the Future and then Dave's like golf tournament is playing on it. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> I mean, you can't really do that with DVDs now. Hell, I'm still trying to figure a way to uh, to rip DVDs onto my computer, which I think there's a yeah. way with proper software. I just have not done it yet. Yeah. It seems like, oh, then again, with the quarantine, this might be the perfect time to do it. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like Now you have the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I like I said, I rearranged my entire apartment, like, okay. just because it was like, hey, you know what? I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Why not just go ahead and do this? I'm, I'm painting my entire kitchen right now. Are you really? <laughs> yep. I painted all the uh, cabinets on one side and I'm doing like one section a day. I told, uh, we were joking with somebody. We're like, just wait, how many like kids are going to be born in December <laughs> from yeah. this happening? Like December and Absolutely. January babies are going to go flying through the roof now. <laughs> yeah. As long as none of them are named COVID. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and it's what jobs are like, uh, for like delivery driving jobs are now like the top job to have. I was like, who knew? Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. All right. Here's another movie here. This is 85. So he, he was, he was rocking it. Most of these movies other than 1986, all these 10 movies on here, he did like two a year. And I, I think that helps with somebody's kind of celebrity, especially back in the day where you were like, oh shit, this guy is like super relevant. Not only was he on television, but he's got two huge movies coming out every year. So yeah. 85, and these, these two for 1985 were also a bit obscure. Not until 86 did it get to the point where like everyone saw every movie that he was in. So the first one in 1985, and I don't think you saw, you might not have seen either of these movies uh, here, but one of them is the, uh, and we've talked about it before, it's one of Dave's favorites. Actually, both of these are, so sorry, Dave, you don't get to talk about it. <laughs> You've talked about them before, though, so now it's my turn. Uh, yeah. One of them is The Man with the One Red Shoe. Uh-huh. Have you ever seen that? I, you know, I never. I've seen the beginning of it, but I've never seen it all the way through. Yeah, and it, it's very similar to another movie that you like, which is that uh, man who knew too little. Yeah, the uh, Bill Murray movie. Right. Basically, the same exact story. It's like a case of mistaking identity. At the heart of it, that's what it was. So the, there was a group of like government officials that are looking for this spy that's going to be coming into town and they were like you'll know who it is and I, I might be getting a little of the details here wrong because I haven't seen it in so long Dave's probably the best for this but they see him coming down there there's all these agents at like a bus station or a plane uh, uh, kind of airline and they see uh, I almost said Bill Murray no, <laughs> they see Tom Hanks <laughs> coming down the escalator and he's got one red shoe on and they think that was the indicator to the government officials to realize who the spy was. So now, right. they, and it wasn't, it was just Tom Hanks being a dumbass and putting on the wrong shoe. And so <laughs> from that point forward, it was just a simple case of mistaking identity. Dabney Coleman was in this movie. Uh, Tom Noonan was in this movie. And 
almost the entire movie, he didn't realize anyone was even fucking with him. And there was some really great scenes in it where they break into his house and they bug all different stuff and they stick stuff, they take all his toothpaste out and they put something else back in. And it, it's a really, really fun one. Also, uh, it was the first time that he starred, and later in this uh, episode we'll talk about another movie that he starred with Carrie Fisher. But this was one of the first Carrie Fisher movies I had seen that wasn't... Um, that wasn't Star Wars, you know. I think other than Star Wars, the only movies back in the day that I'd seen Carrie Fisher in was Blues Brothers and The Man with One Red Shoe. And huh. uh, she was, like, dating um, James Bellucci in this movie. And James Bellucci constantly thought that... Um, <laughs> constantly thought that Carrie Fisher was cheating on him with somebody. And I think she was. I think she was cheating on him with Tom Hanks. But she, uh, they bugged... Tom Hanks's house. So when Carrie Fisher and Tom Hanks are kind of having an affair at the house, it's being taped. And then James Bellucci just happened to go by this van outside of Tom Hanks's house where they're playing the audio of what's going on inside the house. Oh, and he, damn. And he hears Carrie Fisher like screaming in like ecstasy. And so he thinks she's in the van. <laughs> He's like, oh my God, my wife's in the van. So there's a great scene where he's like, the van takes off and he's following them in a bicycle screaming. And they're like, who the hell is this following us? And he's just following the van thinking Carrie Fisher's in there because he hear the audio. That's <laughs> and it was just one like misstep after another that was really funny. There's a, there's a really famous scene that me and Dave talked about before where they want to... Uh, trick Tom Hanks and he's going to a dentist appointment and they were going to replace the dentist with somebody else and they thought that he might have a like microphone or a microchip hidden in one of his teeth so the idea was that the dentist was going to pull out all Tom Hanks's teeth I mean it's, oh my God. it's like a dark scene but <laughs> luckily that he he had to cancel or he had to take off so he didn't end up going through with it and the guy following him was Tom Noonan you know he's that really big guy uh he played Frankenstein in the Monster Squad and he was in Easy yeah. Money and he's been and in Robocop a bunch of too. Uh, Robocop 2 yeah that's a really good yeah. one and uh he actually goes into the dentist office and they think that's Tom Hanks. So they stick him in the chair and they like numb him up and they pull all his teeth out. Oh my God. <laughs> and so the rest of the movie, Tom Noonan's got no teeth. And I'm like, what the hell? This is such a crazy, crazy movie here, man. And it wow. was one of those ones that still kind of holds up because it was, uh, I, I love those cases of mistaking identity and when it's done well. And it's also one of those subjects that can not only be done well as a thriller, but could clearly be done really well as a comedy. I mean, you look at this one and you look at that Bill Murray one. Yeah. Which I still need to go back and watch that Bill Murray one. I'm not sure I own it. Uh, I'll, and... I'll bring it to you once we're all <laughs> able to leave our homes. Maybe next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear it's good, so... All right, this next one, and this will this will allow you to tell a, a kind of a mini story here about it too. And this is uh, the great. Uh, I love this movie. This was also I love this movie mainly because it was one of my father's favorite movies, and we grew up watching it a lot. So this is also 1985, and this was Volunteers. And yeah. Now this one I haven't seen either, but I, I know that you've told me that it's a really good movie. It's so good. This is one I'll let you borrow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. No, this is the one where he he gets like running like electricity and. Co cola and stuff like that is that right where he's like able to find stuff on the island that oh yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's a small part of it but basically he's running from these he's like a degenerate he's like a rich kid who's like spoiled as hell and uh he gets in big trouble gambling and he his parents won't like 
bail him out of this crazy gambling debt. So he switches places with his roommate who is about to enter the Peace Corps. And so he, he literally offers his roommate his car and the girl he's dating. He says, I'll let you have my car and then you could date the girl I'm dating. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. So he just gives him his like information. And literally they're on the airfield where Tom Hanks is like running from his bookie. And so he, he gets huh. he gets on the airplane and he's obviously not cut out to be working in the Peace Corps, but now he's secretly secretively kind of on the plane. And when he's on the plane, he meets... John Candy, and he meets Rita Wilson. That that was going to bring me into the, your kind of Rita Wilson story. Uh, that's uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> why don't you tell us a little about Rita Wilson here? Because so, obviously, yeah. Rita Wilson is Tom Hanks's wife, and she's got coronavirus along with him for that uh, thing they've been doing down in Australia. I don't think she's in that movie. I think he, she just went down there with him as his wife. Oh, okay. Um, yes. So I don't know if you've seen this like funny stuff she's been doing lately, where she was like rapping naughty by nature like opp really i have not seen that that's so funny oh my gosh i'll send it to you later on yeah it's so funny <laughs> um and then and then yesterday she just gave out her cell phone number really? she gave her cell phone number out so that people could text her because they're stuck at home and like you know so i hell i tried to text her <laughs> you know i was like why not and so i sent her the text because i was gonna be like hey if i can get through to her we'll be like hey this is purely coincidental but your husband is our topic for tomorrow, you know? <laughs> um, so I sent her, I sent her the text message and almost immediately she replied and I was like, Oh shit. And then it was like, Hey, this is my new app, blah, 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 blah. You know, you can find me here. So I'll know when you're texting me. And, and, you know, so it was just like an automated thing, oh, but okay. still, yeah, still though, I thought that was really cool. That is pretty cool. You know, it would have been even more cool if I had my wife on the call pretending to be Rita Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't really like Tom, but he's got all that money, so. <laughs> right? And I always liked Rita Wilson. I thought she was great. I had seen her uh, even way back in the day. She was in like a Three's Company episode, so she had made her way around in like the sitcom circuit and everything. And I, I always thought it was great that they met on this Volunteers movie and that they have been together since, you know, and they've kind of like this perfect couple and they've got several kids and everything and they just do these kind of things. Because, yeah, they're uh, I figured out that they're down in Australia filming the Elvis movie is, I guess, what they're doing or it's what Tom, uh. Tom's doing. He's, he's playing Colonel Tom Parker, who was like uh, Elvis's manager. So I'm not sure. Interesting. I saw who was playing Elvis and it wasn't anyone that I recognized, so... Like every other movie, it's going to be put on hold probably for indefinitely. Yeah, <clears throat> it's no, really put, interesting. Uh, say again? Yeah, I was going to say they uh, they pushed Wonder Woman back oh, two yeah. months. And yep. I know there was a hope there that they were they were going to uh, put Black Widow on Disney+, and apparently that's a no-go. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Too much money to be made on that, apparently. Yeah, absolutely. But it's good that they're doing some things, like uh, releasing things that have already come out really early, like uh, Invisible Man. You can rent it. It's a kind of insane that you can that it costs twenty dollars to rent, but I mean, if you've got several people and you were going to go to the movies to see it anyways, I guess it evens out. But yeah, yeah. I remember when uh, when the interview came out and they were like so afraid of showing it in theaters, and it was like you know basically not being allowed to be shown that they went and they streamed it, and you could pay for it, um, and it was like twenty bucks, but it was still like it had just been released yeah. into the movie theaters like the day or two before you could get it, you know, online. Um, because it was such like a 
heated movie at the time. You know what I mean? So it's, it's crazy when this stuff like that happens. Yeah. And then they, I think right after that, like a week later, they put it on Netflix for free. So if you were the one of the people that dumped all that money, you were kind of pissed off. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I remember seeing it on Netflix and you were either in two schools of thought here where you were like, oh my God, I love this movie. This movie was so damn funny. I mean, everyone thought this was way overblown. This movie should have been released. But I remember a lot of people, it made them hate the movie just because they were they thought it was ridiculous that uh, that it was even being withheld, you know? Yeah. Like, this movie was being withheld? This movie's stupid. I, I loved yeah. it. I loved it. I thought it was yeah. funny. But <laughs> Oh, me too. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, yeah, with Volunteers, I mean, almost as much as Tom Hanks, it really showcased John Candy really well. Some of the my favorite John Candy stuff was in this movie because he played this, like, really gung-ho type uh, guy who really wanted to be in the Peace Corps, and there's this really funny scene that I've talked about it before where he accidentally uh, falls into a tiger trap. And, oh, wow. Uh, and the tiger is like like right above the uh, coming towards him, and he's doing that, oh, you a big kitty, you a big kitty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like right before the, uh, the tiger, you were worried about the tiger attacking him. All of a sudden, these like uh, this Chinese, this like communist Chinese regime popped up, and they kidnapped uh, John Candy, and they like tie him up, and they were like, "We are going to indoctrinate you, and you are going to be working for the uh, the Republic of China now." And he's like, "I will never do that. I am I am strictly American, and I am not going to do it." And literally, with like great comedic timing, they cut to the next scene, and he's already wearing like a Chinese uniform and like, <laughs> and, like spouting the the Chinese regime will never give up. <laughs> It was really funny. He was like brainwashed for the rest of the movie until later on where he came back to them and Tom Hanks had to like slap it out of him. And uh, and it was really, really funny kind of uh, thing to show him. And another really great person in this movie that really took it to the next level was Ken Watanabe, who was, uh, I think I'm getting his name right, or it's Getty, maybe I... Maybe I'll have to. Damn, I can't look it up. I don't have my producer. (laughs) It's the. Ken Watanabe, I'm pretty sure, is right. Yeah, that's the guy from uh, um, 16 Candles, uh, Long Duck Dong. Yeah. Yeah, Long Duck Dong, is his, uh, and he was also in Gung Ho. He was the main guy in Gung Ho. Super funny. I don't know what he's doing now, but he was like a staple in the 80s. Really, really funny. And uh, he was one of the guys that actually lived on the island where the Peace Corps members were, and he, he ended up getting wrapped up with Tom Hanks. And every time he saw Tom Hanks, he called him an asshole, and uh, they just had some really funny back and forth to him so as a kid watching it he was like one of the best comic reliefs of this movie so yeah if if there's like one tom hanks like random kind of obscure movie that i would recommend to anyone to see it would definitely be volunteers interesting all right this next one this is my uh my wife's favorite tom hanks movie and this was uh, the one solo movie he did in 86 and this was the uh fabulous money pit oh okay are you a money pit fan i am um Funny, funny though, like I didn't see that movie in completion until about five years ago. Oh, really? First time. Yeah. Um, like I can tell you, I've seen the bathtub where it falls oh my numerous God. times. That's the uh, scene right there too, man. Uh, I, yeah. You know, that's when he does the, ha! yeah. <laughs> and it just builds right. on itself yeah, and it uh, becomes like he, the funniest laugh he's ever done. It, it yeah. gets me every time, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, and this is Goldie Hawn too, right? No, it's, uh, Shelly Long. Shelly Long. Yep, okay. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah. Were... And so 
basically, you know, this is like one of those, if a deal is too good to be true, more than likely it's too good to be true, you know, and he buys this house thinking it's going to be like a fixer upper Mm -hmm. and he's going to be able to turn this giant profit. It's going to be this great, great opportunity. And then everything just goes wrong. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like literally everything Yeah, from, from the point of like structurally for the house, but also for like the tradesmen that are coming in, he's got like the worst people like working on construction and working in the plumbing and the electrician. And, uh, I love the scene where he gets, uh, he gets stuck in the floor. Do you remember that? Where he's standing on the rug and there's a hole in the floor and the rug starts slipping down and it goes <laughs> all, and it goes all the way down to his shoulders. So he's literally oh, wow. stuck in the floor. And if you're if you're downstairs, you can see his legs like dangling in the rug. <laughs> uh, and then Shelly Long comes up and she's like screaming, where are you? And he's like, I'm up here. <laughs> and she finally comes in the room and she's like, where are you? I'm in that room. I can't see you. And he says, I'm right around. I'm right behind the chair. And he goes behind the chair and he can like literally just kind of wave one hand at her and everything. <laughs> it was really funny, man. It had a couple scenes that were like very mousetrap like. Have you seen, uh-huh. uh, not to go too far off topic, but have you seen a lot of those videos that are going around with people in quarantine now building their own like mousetrap type videos? No, I haven't oh, seen Oh, those. man, I'll have to send you one later on. I've seen several, and it was, one of them was, like, super, super impressive, where it was, like, uh, you know, that opening scene of, like, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, where he uh, cracks the egg, and the egg rolls down, and it oh, activates. Yeah. This is basically Mousetrap, you know? And uh, yeah. they have one that's online, and I guess it's a thing, because people are at home, and they have nothing else to do, so people are building it. The one I saw must have been two minutes long, and it was the most impressive thing I'd ever seen in my life. Like one of the wow. best mousetrap. And there's a great scene in Money Pit that's like that where literally he's he knocks into one ladder and then that ladder knocks something else over and then it brings it down to he's like uh, covered with cement and he's in like the wheelbarrow going down the hill and then he ends up uh, falling into that fountain with that little kid who's like that little kid statue that's pissing into the fountain is actually pissing oh, on yeah. his, is pissing on his yeah. head. And, <laughs> God, it was so funny, man. Money Pit was one of those great ones that I, I think I watched on HBO like over and over again until I got sick of it and then th- rediscovered it later in life. So it, it was fun, man. And you couldn't now, really I- go ahead. I was going to say, now remind me though, and I, I mean, you know, I, I know we try and not be too spoilery, but I mean, you know, this was 1985, yeah, 86. Comedy, so. Comedies are a little I, different too. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember if they ended up selling the house or if they keep the house like i don't remember what they end up doing that was the thing they ended up getting like super the the marriage started getting really rocky because she had uh remember she was a violinist and there was the asshole kind of uh guy that worked with her that tom hanks was constantly think she was having an affair with he was oh yeah he was that guy from die hard at the very end you know that guy from die hard with the long blonde hair that uh, came, yeah. came out at the end and tried to shoot John McClane and uh, Reginald Bell Johnson pulled his weapon and yeah. shot him. So he Alexander he, Goodenough. Uh, is that what his name is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was good in this movie, but he made Shelley Duvall, uh, Shelley Duvall, Shelley Long think that uh, she had an affair where they really didn't. And then Tom Hanks got really pissed off and it, it, their marriage was rocky and they were going to sell it and everything. And then it, at the very last kind of minute, they were like, I don't want to leave this house. We need to uh, uh, make this marriage work. And everything ended up working out at the end. So uh-huh. it was good, man. And really, Shelly uh, Long was kind of like the female Tom Hanks at that time. You know, I mean, everything she was in was very likable. Everyone knew her from Cheers. 
So everyone had that kind of established relationship with her. And there was, I know there was a bunch of like the older Shelley Long movies that you liked. What was it? Uh, was Outrageous Fortune was one of them or is that the, yeah, yeah Outrageous Fortune. Outrageous Fortune. And then the other one I think is uh, Risky Business. Uh, no, she, that was Rebecca De Mornay who did Risky Business. Oh, really? Uh, What's the other one I'm thinking She of? did uh, Hello Again. Um, yeah. Uh, Troop Beverly Hills. God. Yeah, that that one's one of my favorites yeah, for sure. Perfect. Hello again. I need to I need to watch Hello again again. Because yeah. It is su- it is such a good movie, and I forget how good it is. Yeah, I don't remember anything about it. I remember the, that had that supernatural element to it, but that's about all I remember about it. I'm sure I'll remember it when it comes uh, when I watch it again. But yeah, uh, I definitely I need to watch True Beverly Hills again. It came across my like. Uh, uh, my search on for like used DVDs on eBay the other day, and I should have snagged it, but they were asking like nine dollars for it, which is probably yeah. probably a good deal because it's so obscure. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I mean she couldn't do uh, do wrong. I know she's been playing uh, a character in Modern Family. I think she plays uh, Ed O'Neill's like ex wife, and she comes in and she does like small little scenes and everything. So she's staying busy. I'm not sure how much movie she's doing, but she's definitely doing TV. That's awesome, though, because she disappeared for a while, as far as I knew. Yeah, she's really good. She's great. She's very likable. That's why I kind of contri- uh, compare her to Tom Hanks. Very likable. Uh, all right, this next movie, 1987, and this was one of my biggies, man. Uh, and I always loved this movie since the, since it came out. 1987 was a big year for movies with me anyways. I was just, like, obsessed with everything that came out. And this was Dragnet. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts, ma'am. God, and this is like the, the pairing of these two together was absolutely oh brilliant, man. And they they both fell into that those roles really well. I mean, no one plays that kind of stiff, kind of by the book guy better than Dan Aykroyd. I yeah. Mean, and I guess there was there was probably no question of who each of them were going to play. You know, because Tom Hanks obviously is going to be the loose cannon, just fun-loving, I'll do what I want type of character that uh, that Kip character in that sh- movie, and obviously yeah. Dan Aykroyd can spout facts and figures like uh, nobody's business, so it was perfect for him to play like the Friday character. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Was this a big movie for you when you were growing up? Absolutely, yeah. No, this was I. I didn't even really know about the show Dragnet when I saw this movie because oh, I was really? a kid. I mean, you know, yeah. I think this came out what like 88 something like that 87 87 okay yeah um you know so i was a kid go ahead go ahead (laughs) um i was a kid when that happened you know when that came out you know so i didn't really like i don't think i saw it in the theater but maybe i did with my dad yeah um but i know like when it came on hbo finally that's when i saw it like over and over and over and over again yeah such such a fun movie like you know the the pagans, people against goodness <laughs> and niceness, or yeah. something like that. Uh, goodness um, and normalcy. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. You know, so funny. You gotta, it had like a great subcast to this too. I mean, you have Christopher Plummer as the bad guy who's like the head of the pagans, but he's also the priest that you find yeah. out, and also the uh, Dabney Coleman played the uh, what was the name of that fake like Playboy magazine? It was like Smut or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Oh God. It, it was so great, man. I loved everything about it. And like you, I, I knew about the Dragnet show, but it was like, I mean, that was like our dad's show, you know? Right. And yeah. it was boring. It wasn't really kind of for kids and everything. So I knew what it was. I knew the like one liner. I knew that the guy from MASH was in it, uh, who, uh, who actually reprised his role in this one. Uh, because I, uh, Dan Aykroyd wasn't playing that Friday character. He was playing Friday's like son. 
He was playing yes. Joe Friday's son. So right. his and his boss was the the original guy. Uh, I can't remember his name, but well, uh, yeah, but he was the original guy from uh, the original Dragnet. Yep, yep, yep. He played Friday, didn't he? No, he played the other guy. Friday was oh, the, the Friday character was supposed to be dead at this point, but the other guy, uh, the guy from Mash, was the partner. Uh, I got you. Yeah. So it was just fun, man. It was uh, it was a great, like, kind of mystery detective kind of story, and you had to figure it out. Very similar to, like, uh, I always kind of think of Armed and Dangerous was kind of a similar thing. Armed and Dangerous was a little bit more silly. Uh, yeah. But you also had that kind of those two characters. And it's taken for granted a lot of times these, like, these duo comedy kind of buddy comedies where one guy plays the straight guy and one guy plays the, like, really comic relief. But when you can find that pairing and it's really, really done well, I mean, they do that a lot today, too. I think of, like, uh, movies where they put The Rock and Kevin Hart together or where they put Kevin Hart and, like, Will Ferrell together. I mean, you could yeah. you could kind of go down the list of, like, those big uh, movies that still, like, benefit Honestly, greatly. Even Stuber. I, I thought Stuber yeah. was hilarious. I mean, I, I loved it, too. And that's one of those pairings yeah. that I don't know who came up with that. They deserved, like, a bonus for that, too. Because, for I mean, sure. Who would have thought that casting would have been perfect? Uh, I mean, I don't think... I don't think Batista would have got it if it wasn't for Guardians of the Galaxy, though. Because that's kind of where they showed his comedy chops uh, on that movie. And in uh, he wasn't overtly playing co- uh, comedic in that movie, but he was so likable uh, opposite uh, Kamel Nanjiani. Yeah, well, and, you know, and I know we're not talking about that movie, but also the, the comedic aspect of that, too, was that he had gotten LASIK surgery on his eyes that yeah. morning and he couldn't see. So and so, funny. like, you know, yeah. And, and like, I, I, I really feel like that movie went under the radar and got a bad rap when I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I loved it. I saw it on the airplane and it was uh, on my way to like Iceland. And I was like, man, this movie was so great because uh, like a lot of comedies that come to the theater, you know, you're like, oh, all the funny parts are in the trailer and uh, I'm going to wait and see it until Netflix and maybe it'll be good and maybe it won't. But that was one of the movies that like half the funny stuff was not in the trailer. Yeah. Was there a particular uh, scene that you loved in uh, Dragnet? Oh, man, it's got to be the when they go to the pagan party and they're they've got their goat uh, goat leggings on. (laughs) That would probably be my favorite scene, too. Oh, my gosh. And they, you know, they get into the the snake pit with the big old (laughs) stricter with the virgin Connie Swales with the virgin Connie. So he's like, (laughs) and her favorite color is (laughs) blue. Oh, my God. That's so great. Yeah, I think that's probably one of my favorite th- ones. That totally is my favorite scene. I loved it. Or or at the end when they pull up on the priest with like the F-15s oh, or like yeah. the Blue Angels or something like that. I totally forgot about that scene. I thought that was pretty cool. God, I could go watch that movie right now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that's, and that's one of those movies too that like at any time – now, I don't own this movie – but like at any time, if somebody was like, "Hey, you want to watch Dragnet?" I'd be like, "Yeah, I do." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. it's a oh, great sure. movie. All right. Well, you this know, is... they even they even did the just the facts, ma'am song for the end. Oh, that song was great. I remember like yeah. I remember like taping it on. I I was big back in the day when I was a little kid of putting my like boombox next to the like. Uh, uh, TV and recording like the theme songs for different movies and stuff like that. Right. And this was one of the ones I did. I remember listening to it on audio cassette on my Walkman, just hearing that great funky kind of just the fact rap that they did. <laughs> just the facts, ma'am. Uh, it was so good. Just the facts. Yeah, it was great, dude. I love that movie. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, your your next one, the, this next big movie is big, 1988, man. 
yeah, never seen it. Never seen it. <laughs> I remember because this was a period of time where I was at the Christian school, so I couldn't see any movie in the theater they were like against. That was like a worldly thing. So there was like a four-year chunk in my – people that just are tuning in for the first time. It was a huge chunk in at least my life. I'd say Dave's too, but Dave kind of was old enough where he was like, fuck those rules. I'm going to go to the movies <laughs> anyways. But I was like – 10 or 11 or 12 or something like that. And I was at that uh, period where, you know, I, even if I wanted to disobey the rules, I didn't have a way to get to the movie theater to do it. And yeah. I remember when this came out on video, I was waiting at the video store for them to open. And I had put my name on a list and I was going to be the first person to get it and bring it home. And I remember watching it and I was like, oh my God, now I see what everyone's like into because this was such a fabulous movie, man. This was a huge movie back in the day, too. This, like, blew up. I mean, it was an actual, like, blockbuster success. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty Um, sure it was a Penny Marshall movie. I might be wrong with that, but I'm... I'm almost positive you're right. Yeah, I think think Penny Marshall directed this, who was obviously Laverne from Laverne and Shirley. Right. Um, So tell us a little bit about Big for anyone, for some reason, doesn't know what Big is. (laughs) Oh, I, um, sorry. I was looking up the director there, and I accidentally typed in "bug," and I was going to say that is not the right director. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, all right. So, basically, Tom Hanks is like Tom Hanks as a child in this movie, and he's got like his best friend, and they're you know really close and everything like that. And they go to the amusement park, I think it is, one night, mm-hmm. and he can't get on one of the rides because he's not tall enough. And so, lo and behold, there's this, you know, this machine with a genie inside of it, like a robotic genie, you know, and it's called Zoltar. Um, and he puts a quarter in and he, you know, reads the thing and it says, tell Zoltar your wish. And he says, I wish I was big. And like, I don't know, it's kind of a creepy way that machine works. And then it <laughs> pumps out this little card and it says, your wish has been granted, you know. And so he's like, OK, whatever. And, you know, he goes home and goes to bed. He wakes up the next morning and he's like a full grown 30 year old man, you know, um, in his own same underwear that are like kids underwear on the bunk beds in his house with his mom, his mom thinks like, you know, somebody broke into the house and like, Oh, such a, you know, like a, a messed up like situation to be in. And he basically has to like run away. Um, yeah, he finds his best friend. He finds that and a lot of it was him and that like best friend for a little while there for his like 10 or 12 year old best friend who had been in a bunch of different movies too. I think he was one of the kids from honey. I shrunk the kids. I think you're right. Yeah. I think um, he's one of them and, and they were good uh, together. I mean, it can't be easy acting or maybe it is easy acting opposite Tom Hanks, uh, because he makes it so easy for him. But uh, it didn't really kind of take off until he decided, well, I need to go get a job and where am I going to get a job? But what, what do I know more than anything? I know toys. So right. it ends up, uh, well, he ends up starting, doesn't he work in like the mail room or something like that? Not until he meets Robert Loja. <laughs> yeah, Robert Loja. <laughs> <laughs> because he accidentally has a run-in with Robert Loja at like the toy store. And then they do that iconic famous scene oh, where they're like dancing absolutely. on the keyboard and everything, which doing chopsticks. Uh, I mean, when we when that movie came out, we thought they were gonna like mass produce those fucking things everywhere. And until that, oh, since, I had one. Oh, did you? I didn't even know they yeah. did. I was, I was. I, I got one. I got one for Christmas, but it was probably like six years after that movie. Wow, came out. I was even. Say, I was about to say that they never made them. I didn't know they made those. 
Oh yeah, they, oh. yeah, they were great. I never learned how to play a single song on yeah, it. Yeah, it loved seems to hop like around and make, make noise. Yeah, it seems like one of those things that you get, and then you're like, now what? I don't know how to play piano. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> something to annoy your parents with instead. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. How yeah. about yeah? Favorite scenes from Big? What is this, some of your favorite stuff? <laughs> um, when he goes to the fancy cocktail party. Oh my! And he's like eating the beluga and like. <laughs> thinks it's just so gross and he keeps trying to like spit it out and wipe his tongue scratch it off his tongue uh, that's funny. So funny i was gonna say the same scene but i was gonna say the uh with him trying to eat the uh the mini corn in the cob oh my god <laughs> like yes. it's a regular corn in the cob i'm like oh my yes. god that's so funny that's so funny i love how much he pissed off the john hurd character who's like the dad from home alone remember he was kind of the antagonist in the movie yeah, he was um he was trying to date Elizabeth Perkins. Yeah, Elizabeth um, Perkins and yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean it was such a fun, good movie. Yeah, it was. You know? I love like, when he was building up his like apartment. What a twelve year old would want. He's got that big trampoline. Yeah. He's got the he's got the soda machine that's rigged to get free sodas and everything. And it, I love when and, him him and his friend go to the bank to cash his first paycheck and they get it in like ones and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or when um when Elizabeth Perkins is coming over to spend the night and he's like, okay, but I get to be on top. And she's like, Oh, okay. And then it comes time for them to go to bed and he's talking about the bunk beds. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird when you rewatch that movie that there's kind of a lot of creepy elements in that movie too. Like, wait a second. She kind of just had sex with a 12 year old. <laughs> yeah. But she didn't know that. No, know? she didn't. I mean, and that's how they kind of got away with it and everything. But I mean, in his, uh, his mind and everything, I mean, he certainly was kind of a 12 year old. So oh yeah, absolutely. Look at that. How you may. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a great movie, man. It must have made a shitload of money for him back then. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, he, even before then, he kind of, he had his kind of ticket written for him to whatever he wanted to make. But certainly after Big, I think he, he went into a lot of people's households big time. Yeah. Uh, now, the other movie from 1988, and this was a movie, and I'll have to apologize. I hear there's a little bit of feedback in here, but I mean, we're in the we're in the level of Corona time, so we gotta yeah. deal with what we gotta deal with. I'll try to clean up as much as I can, but I hear a little bit of feedback from my end on your end, but it's not bad. Uh, and this is 1988's Punchline. Now, did you ever watch this back in the day? Now, I saw this in the theater with my mom. Oh, really? But but I was too young to like understand the adult situations that were going on. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, that was like, the same exact thing with me when I watched it back in the day. You know, too young to appreciate it. Right. Um, and so honestly, I think maybe I've seen it like once yeah. since then, but I still even not understanding still know I, I still remember it being a really good movie. Yeah, it know? was really good. It was different. You know, I watched it last week for the exact same reason you were talking about that. I, I've only seen it once back in the day and I was too young to appreciate it. So I went back and I actually found it on DVD and I rewatched it and I was like, man, this was such a good movie, man. Uh, the movie starts with, uh, with uh what's her name uh damn uh sally field so the movie starts with sally field meeting this random kind of weird guy at a diner and he it looks like she's buying drugs they're like sitting apart from each other and she's like uh i've he's like it's gonna be five hundred dollars and she's like and he's like it's gonna be twenty dollars per uh per uh per one or something like that. And you don't know what he's referring to. So she's like, I want to see it before I pay for it. And then you think that he's going to like slide drugs over to her, and it, 
and it suddenly you realize that he is uh, he a she's, joke writer. She's, she's buying jokes from him. Yeah, <laughs> and they're not really good, you know. And she, you, the next shot is her using these jokes on stand up. What was interesting about this? It was it was basically the life of a stand up comedian at the time, and they weren't good stand up comedians. You know, these were like right. struggling stand up comedians that were just trying to make it work. And uh, Sally Field had a. Uh, she was just a normal housewife. John Goodman was her uh, was her husband, and they had like a couple kids, and they were just struggling to make it. But she really was dying to make it as a stand-up comedian. So she would go out at night, and John Goodman would get really pissed off uh, that she wasn't home cooking and doing this thing. And there was something very kind of earnest and enjoyable about this movie because, and I, I'll spoil a little bit of it here, is. She, she was such a she tried so hard to be really really great stand-up comedian and it wasn't really working well for her and she finally she didn't want john goodman to show up and watch the sets so he agreed not to show up and then they finally have this big like contest at the end of uh they're gonna do this like round robin and all these different uh stand-up comedians are gonna go up and they're gonna do their set and uh they're gonna there'll be a winner at the end of who has the best set and when sally field goes up and she starts doing her uh her act uh john goodman is laughing his ass off in the uh, audience and it just pumps her up so much that she is so much better and then when you're watching this movie it suddenly occurs to you to her to you as a viewer that you're like she's failing at this because she's not involving her husband and then right, right. when she involves her husband and they start bouncing ideas off of each other and it, it's the missing piece that she had been looking for the entire time and similar to with the Tom Hanks character is he was very kind of he was he was almost a bit of an asshole at times in the movie, you know, and he had to really kind of uh, reach deep inside and uh, realize what his comedy should be and everything. And he kind of, there was a little bit of flirtatious kind of thing uh, going on between them, but Sally Field was in love with her husband and didn't want to leave her husband for Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks had to kind of come to terms with that and everything. And it, it was such a kind of moving movie that, the comedy was not, there was obviously comedy in it, but it wasn't kind of the main driving force of this movie. Yeah, it was, it was I, more I of a drama. Was, that's, I think it was more of like a dramedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? For um, sure. And I think that's what took a lot of people by surprise when the movie came out. They were like, oh, Tom Hanks' new movie and Sally Field's in it. And it's about stand-up comedians. I mean, this is going to be hilarious. And it yeah. really wasn't. It was about the struggle. Yeah. Well, it's like, uh, who was the guy that did that movie, Funny People? Yeah. And it's... And so I'm like, oh, this movie's going to be hysterical. And yep. It's all about cancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it, how could you be more misleading? <laughs> like, and it's weird. You know? I've been listening to a lot of the, uh, just a pimp another podcast here that's been potting for the last like eight years is that Joe Rogan experience. And Joe Rogan, a lot of people, if you know him, he, he was an old school uh, stand-up comedian. And then he did news radio. And then he did Fear Factor. And then he was like the host for UFC for like, for years and years and years. And he, he had did the man show part two. Also. Oh, did he? Nice. And yeah. he's really great. He's a super smart guy. He knows a lot of people and he, he does his podcast like every day. He, so I think, mm -hmm. he, I think, or like five days a week. So he's on like episode 1400 right now. So it's yeah. like insane. And so I've been going through his list and he talks to almost every standup comedian you can imagine. And then what you realize, because I just listened to like the Bobcat Coldquate one, I'm listening to the Dave Attell one right now, and I also listen to Mark Marin. and you're listening to him talk to all these stand-up comedians, and they have 
they're fucked up, man. A lot of stand-up oh, yeah. comedians are fucked up and have lived crazy, crazy lives. And I, I just got done listening to the Mark Marin one, and he, he's constantly telling stories about Sam Kinison, about him doing coke with Sam Kinison, and Sam Kinison getting pissed and pissing all over everybody at one point. And just <laughs> the kind of... And you, you, we see it as an outsider of all these guys. Oh, you hear Sam Kinison died, or Chris Farley died and everything, and you, you don't realize that these guys are using comedy kind of to deal with these other major personal issues in their life. So yeah, it, absolutely. So it, it really pans well for like funny people or punchline to be kind of a dramedy because their lives literally are kind of a dramatic situation. So it was interesting. It was super interesting. I, I would totally recommend punchline to go back and watch as an adult uh, now because it's going to be a totally different movie for you. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I need to check that out. Yeah, again. it was really good. All right, these next, we got two movies left here, and this next one's uh, one of the biggies, man, that I know all of us, me and uh, you and Dave, are big fans of, and that's 1989's The Burbs. Oh, fuck yes, dude. God, man. Such a great, this is Joe Dante, one of Joe Dante. Joe Dante didn't do a whole lot of straight comedies. Most of his stuff were kind of horror stuff that had comedy elements. He did Gremlins, he did Howling, uh what was another Joe Dante movie? I'm trying to think of oh, the twilight zone, uh, episodes that he had done for the movie. But this was a, I mean, you get Tom Hanks and you get all these great call for cast, uh, with him, you know, it's going to be genius. So, Oh yeah, absolutely. This was always a big movie for you growing up. Oh yeah. I, th- Cause let's see, this came out in 89. So again, this one, I don't, I don't know if I saw this one in the theater, but again, once it hit HBO yeah. and I was, I was probably like, 10 years old you know when it came out on hbo so this movie was like fun funny and actually scared me when i was a kid you oh, know really? what I mean? yeah um i mean it did know, have some harbor elements to it for sure yeah well and you know and like just like and again this is so funny i i'll say this quote from time to time and nobody ever gets this reference but like one of my favorite things is the um the red excuse me the red-headed uh kid yeah from who, children of they, corn <laughs> yeah and when they come over, I think he's in a uh, lover boy too. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, they, they finally all go over there to sit down and he offers them pretzels and a sardine. And like, I don't know why, but sardine is just like <laughs> one of the funniest things to me, the way he says it. And then I remember being a kid at the end when he pops up in the ambulance, he's like, Hey, how you doing? Scared <laughs> the shit out of me. Like, I don't think yeah. I would have gotten that sardine reference if you used it around me. It's so obscure. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think anybody ever has. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, it's just one that stuck with me that, like, even if I'm not, I mean, because how often do you talk about sardines? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, yeah. I love um, the supporting cast, man. Rick Dukeman and uh, Bruce Dern as the, like, friends on the cul de sac were so absolutely brilliant in this movie. Oh, dude, you should tell the, uh, I totally agree. And also Dick Miller, you should tell the Dick oh, Miller Dick story. Miller. Corey said. Oh my God. Yeah. If you, you pull up a clip of, uh, if you're, uh, if you're listening to this and you're, uh, you got access to YouTube, uh, check up Dick Miller, Corey Feldman, the burbs scene. And it's a great scene. And it, it could be like any like punk kid who's, I mean, Corey Feldman was that kind of wild kind of actor, uh, at the day, uh, back in the day. 
And apparently he was doing that scene with, I mean, you've got Bruce Dern, Rick Dukeman, uh, Dick Miller, and Robert Picardo. And there, it's that scene where they're the garbage men and they're, uh, they're going to go through the garbage because they think that they picked up the, the remains that the Klopeks are throwing away. So right. they're all sitting there waiting to start filming and everything. And uh, Corey Feldman's just like bouncing off the wall, you know, and he's like talking and he's dancing and everything. And yeah. Uh, uh, out of nowhere, Dick Miller says, uh, tells him to shut the fuck up, kid. <laughs> yeah, shut the fuck up, kid. We're trying to make a movie. Yeah. Like, and and you could see the rest of the cast like smiling and almost laughing, but still containing it. And you could see him be like, oh, okay, my bad. Like, oh, it was so funny to see that happen. Oh, that's an actor who's been acting for like forty years. He's just got he just he, you know actors can't deal with some of those type of like wild kind of kids like that and it just it boiled over and they just happened to be rolling uh, an outtake for it so i'm so glad it got out so we could see it it just makes me laugh every oh, time yeah. i see it this is also the uh there's a couple other like uh brief stories i know about this one of them was uh this was this was I think the first movie that Dave kind of uh, went and saw in the theater uh, as going to the Christian school, like misbehaving and uh, and going going to see it in the Christian school when he wasn't supposed to. Uh, but it was also my uh, my cousin Eric had stolen this movie from the video store. He ended up I, I don't know how he did it, but he ended up just stealing it. It must not have been one of the video stores where you bring the empty case. It was probably one of the video stores where the movie was actually behind the case. You know, those old video stores that did that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he stole it and his mom thought he rented it and returned it back to the video store when she found it in his room. And he's like, oh, no, God. I had just stolen that thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really funny, man. Uh, yeah, I loved everything about it. I think some of the funniest stuff was with uh, Rick Dukeman, his like kind of fat friend who was just egging him on to do things yeah. that he didn't want to do. Because if it yeah. wasn't for him, Tom Hanks would have just like puttered around the house and done nothing. But it kind of was like his egging him on that made him go over to the neighbor's yard and do all the stuff that was random. So it was. Well, really- and then they remember he finds the femur. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, uh, oh, such fever. a fun movie. Uh, so great, man. Yeah, all right, this is the last movie here, and this was a uh, this was a classic, too, that still holds up, still has that kind of sad moment at the end, but it was so enjoyable that it's not sad enough that keeps you from watching it. And this was 1989's Turner and Hooch. Yeah, it's a great movie, God, dude. It was really, really great, man. Speaking of Reginald Vell Johnson, I mean, he was his, like, partner in this movie. And it, it was such a great kind of... A uh, cop movie too, you know. You forget how much of a cop movie it is until you watch it. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. And it really is. I mean, so what's going on in this movie is the uh, someone is something shady is happening at the docks, like across from where the docks are. And this one guy who has this big burly dog happens to witness the crime, and they see that he witnesses it, and they kill him. But the dog kind of sees the guy who kills him, so the dog is kind of a witness. And uh, Tom Hanks has to kind of like take the dog in after this owner dies and hoping that this dog will be able to like finger the killers and everything. Right. Uh, And 
what was great about it, I mean, really some of the best stuff was it with just Tom Hanks with the dog, you know? Oh, and, and all the drool when they were in the car oh and everything like that. Like, oh my gosh. I had heard a story back when it had come that they were looking for a dog that could scare the hell out of the Oakland Raiders. Or the, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, yeah or, that's insane. And they actually brought the dog to like the Oakland Raiders like training camp and everything. And this was the one thing that uh, that people did not even want to come near the dog. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was like he a, was huge, man. He, was it a mastiff? I think see, it was, I'm looking. Him, I think it was. I'm looking him up right now. Um, he was a large Dogue de Bordeaux, French ma Yeah, French mastiff. French mastiff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, and he's giant. Like if you go and you look at like this picture that comes up when you like click on the the dog actor mm -hmm. and see him sitting next to Tom Hanks, like. Dude, he's a giant fucking dog. He's massive, man. And it, it's really kind of, I mean, Tom Hanks had to be like right around him through the whole movie. And yeah. and like getting rough with him. I mean, there were scenes where he was like rolling around with this dog. Yeah. They had that weird scene where he's just hanging out at his house in his underwear and his uh, like uh his like small little bikini briefs like hanging out with a dog and everything and <laughs> it was really really funny, man. Uh, what is yeah. what's some of your favorite stuff from uh, Turner and Hooch? Um, you know, I think one of my favorite things is either a, when he first meets the dog and the dog is like kept up in the house and like, and it's also sad because the dog lost its owner. Um, you know, but kind of like you see the beginning of their relationship and then again, like there, you know, with the, the drool factor is just <laughs> so funny throughout the entire movie. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And like, I, I mean, Hooch is my favorite part of the movie. The dog is just great, dude. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, and the end's not very nice and anything like that. But like, you know, they I mean, they really make you love this character. And then when the other thing happens at the end, you're like, oh wow, you know what I mean? So like Yeah. It was really good. It was it I, was a fun action, you know, semi action, you know, comedy, like sweet movie. It was it was really good. I really liked it. Yeah, I, I love the scene where they bring the dog into the police station and he ties the one end of the leash to the to the desk and the uh, dog actually sees one of the culprits through the window and he starts dragging that uh, desk all across the room until, right. until they let him go and he just runs outside and they have to like uh, go grab the dog and then they're chasing this guy through the, they're doing like, a, remember they like, they make this uh, guy stop their car and they like drive with them and like take off to find him. We didn't even mention like uh, Craig T. Nelson kind of played the, uh, I mean, I'll be a spoiler, spoiler a little bit. He played kind of like the bad guy in this movie. Uh, and uh, his love interest in this movie was too. That was the Mario, uh, Mari, uh, she's damn, she's got a weird name. It's like M-A-R-E, Mary uh, something. It's Mayor Winningham. Mayor Winningham. She. I just watched her in a series that HBO, the Outsider series. She played. Oh, yeah? She played one of the uh, the main uh, women in that, and she was fabulous in it. Wasn't that a series you started? No, no, you um, didn't. I, I thought you had started that series. It was on HBO. Well, maybe I did. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm the, just the Jason no Bateman longer, one. Yeah, I'm just no longer able to watch that. Oh so. yeah, yeah. It was yeah. good. Yeah, and she was great in it. And she uh, she was really, really, really good in that movie opposite Tom Hanks, too. And, uh, yeah, it was always an enjoyable movie. And I think I went into it knowing what the ending was. Uh, and I had no problem with that. I mean, it's almost one of those things you kind of are going into it. It's a lot better if you know it. Um, right. Then again, there might be a lot of people that avoid it just because of that. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was good, man. It was it was worth uh, kind of a small little segment of being sad to uh, to experience such a great movie by them. Yeah, absolutely. And they they tell you, you know, in a filmmaking business, you don't want to work with kids and you don't want to work with animals. So I can just imagine kind of the on set antics that had to go along with working with a dog. I couldn't imagine it. I couldn't imagine having a dog on the set. And, yeah, and, that'd be crazy. And, and expecting him to like act and not acting and not feeling like acting. I mean, I'm sure he was like a stage dog where he was really good at taking orders and stuff like that. But I could just imagine how much footage they had that couldn't be used because of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. No, you know, I'm, no, how many takes they probably had to take if he just wasn't looking the right direction or yeah. something like that. like Or slathering stuff, uh, slathering stuff with like uh, dog food just to get him to eat it. Like that back yeah. headrest that he just tore apart in the car. Or Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> this is not your room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I love that, man. It's so funny. So yeah, that, yeah, that'll be our 10 Tom Hanks movies. Like I said, we're a little abridged. We're at like an hour and 20 minutes here, but... Under the circumstances, we just want to get something out there for everyone to listen to. I know everyone, a lot of people are at home listening to podcasts and want to uh, just kind of escape a little from everything that's going on. I was telling my wife, we, uh, I mean, we've been preparing for this forever because we're homebodies anyways. Yeah. <laughs> really not being able to go to the store at a whim is the only difference for us because we love hanging at home and doing our thing. And uh, I, I feel for these people with kids, you know, that are used to them being at school or not having to deal uh, with them 24 seven, but hey, doesn't happen over here. <laughs> yeah. Right. I can't uh, see your annoyance from my house. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so that's what I tell. I said, either people's marriages are going to get super strong or they're going to be like uh, super weak after this whole thing is over and done. Yeah, with. <laughs> absolutely. Won't change on our end. So I, I like yeah. it. And, uh, is your, your work is kind of, uh, it's in limbo right now. Yeah, we are closed down till May the 1st, but as we also can't practice massage in the state of Florida until May 8th. Oh, so really? I will Yeah, so I'm going to be out of work at minimum for a month. Now, are they going to uh are you going to make out at all through uh they going to pay you at all or is it one of those things that sorry you're just laid off for right now? Yeah, pretty much sorry you're just laid off. We uh. don't get any Yeah. I mean, I have uh, I have a paycheck coming, but like, you know, with my profession and all this stuff going on, like I didn't feel comfortable. Like I didn't want to get it and I didn't want to spread it. You know what I mean? And so I had to voluntarily take myself off the schedule and just be like, look, I'm sorry. I'm just not comfortable working on people. So, dude, my next check is going to be like one hundred and fifty bucks if I'm lucky, you know, that's a bummer. yeah. So, but I mean, the thing is, is with what money I had, I went and stocked up on food and then, you know, everything I needed. So like, I'm good for like a month, you know, yeah. like I, I'm so. And we got that stimulus coming in and hopefully it will come earlier than later. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think everyone's so. concern is, are they going to get it automatically deposited or if it's going to be mailed to them? Uh, I guess it depends on how you uh, had your taxes set up. Like I haven't got paid in for taxes. I've always had to pay out on taxes because I'm an independent contractor, but I do I think they do have my bank account on file. That's how I do pay them. So hopefully one day in like the next three weeks I'll get up and there'll be like twelve hundred dollars extra in my account. Yeah, that would be awesome. So do they usually for tax time, do they usually are is it usually deposited in your bank or do they send you a check? Um, usually I get it deposited. Okay. So yeah, it's going to be similar to you. I think you're just going to wake up one day and you're going to be rich. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Or richer, you know, I mean, and, yeah, and either way, I'm 
either way, I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, when, <laughs> when you're only paying for yourself too, I mean, you live alone, so it, it uh, yeah. that can stretch a long way, 1200 bucks too. Oh, so yeah, absolutely. I, it'll be good. I mean, I wish we were making out like Canada. Did you hear how Canada's making out? They're getting no. like they're getting two thousand dollars a month for four months. Wow, it's insane, man! It pisses me off because <laughs> they could easily do that with us. Everybody always makes fun of Canada, but I'll tell you, if it wasn't so cold, I'd probably be living there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's getting to the point where I'm not even caring about the cold. The, the cold isn't even a factor anymore for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I visit there. I, I know I'm going to love it because every place I visit that's not here, I, I hate to shit on us, but uh, at times like this, it's kind of uh, it, it's sad because we're the supposedly the greatest country in the world. We, you think we'd be able to pull this together and uh, and everyone wouldn't have to suffer through it. But unfortunately, some people really are having a hard, hard time. Yeah. And it, it really makes you appreciate some of these people like in jobs that you never really thought of, like the grocery store workers. Now, if, if this thing is over and grocery store workers don't get a $15 kind of wage across the board, then we're not paying attention to what's going on because the, I've been at the grocery store. These guys aren't wearing gloves. They're not wearing masks and they're just yeah. in there trying to deal with these people. And I mean, you're not six feet from people when you're checking out to them too. I exactly. Mean, I, I know for personally, I've been avoiding Redbox just because I don't want to touch it. I don't want to touch the right. machine. Yeah. I don't want to touch absolutely. the DVDs. I'll pay the extra yep. four dollars on iTunes. You know. Yep. And, absolutely. And I'll just do it that way for now. You know. And it, it sucks because I'm a huge Redbox guy. And like 1917 just came out. Next week, Star Wars and everything. I'm like, I'm just gonna buy them. I'm just gonna rent them on uh, iTunes. Pay that extra yeah. money. So, have you watched any movies uh, since you've been kind of on quarantine? Um. Let's see. I watched Machete the other night. Yeah, you have to let me know. How are you set with movies? Because I can drop some off at your house, like after the route someday. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll drop any, a like care package of uh, like twenty DVDs off to your house, man. I'll just put them. That in would your, be awesome. I'll just put them on your porch, and you wake up and they're there, man. Hell yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah, you'll have to let me know what you're looking for, and I can do that for you. Because I'm only when I'm done with the route, I'm literally like six minutes from your house so i can oh, wow. easily just swing on by it's what i've been doing with my mom i've been sending her she's got like 24 dvds now to get her through the next month and i just gave dave a couple uh with the playstation for him to watch so i'm, I'm all about doing it if you need some extra entertainment yeah that'd be dope i'd really appreciate it awesome well, cool. Well, we are going to be back next week. I think next week we're gonna we're gonna kind of stagger the Tom Hanks pods. So next week I think we're gonna do 2010s comedy, and then we're gonna come back and me and Dave are gonna do the uh, uh, one of the next Tom Hanks pods, and then we're gonna do me and Dave after that. We'll do uh, a Star Trek pod, and then by that time, hopefully, I mean everything's clear, and then we'll all be together to do the final Tom Hanks pod. But like like everything else in this country, we're kind of kind of see how it is and reevaluate week to week how yeah, everything is going. Much. You know, even even after they give the all clear, it seems like how is I mean I don't know if I can just like go right into doing things like that, and it's going to seem yeah. like it's an odd transition to make even after yeah. it's all done. No, you know, and that's the thing is it's got to be all done. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I mean, yeah, if one person has back. a resurgence, that's how it happens. One person get, yep. gets it. I mean. I know in China they're they're getting less and less cases every day, and that's kind of how uh, people are treating it, you know. So yeah, we'll have to see what happens. But cool. Well, hopefully everyone enjoyed this kind of mini pod from us today, and uh, we will definitely be with you next week and uh, talk some 2010s comedy with uh, me and Justin. So till then, see ya. Peace. Howdy, I'm Elon Musk, and I'm a pagan. Ah-ha! <laughs>